Welcome to the Ignite Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets to ignite the growth of your agency. This is the Industry Expert Series, where I chat to the most inspirational figures in the industry right now. So on today's Industry Experts podcast, I'm joined by content guru and I would say industry legend. He's fit into the industry. In fact, he's probably been in the industry as long as I have. Extremely well. He's very popular and he's got some very good insights, both on content and business and culture and what is a world-class agency to him. And Jerry discusses the crazy idea to open up his own agency and the first three things he'd do. I think it's worth sticking around to the end to hear his piece of advice that he heard from his dad that still stands true today and he still lives by and hope you enjoy. If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to find out more about if and how we can help you scale and build the agency of your dreams. All we want you to do is go to fire-wave.co.uk forward slash AJMM and that'll be in the show notes as well. Here are your hosts, Sam and Phil. Mr. Jerry Lyons, what makes a world-class estate agent? What makes a world-class estate agent rather than an estate agency, yeah? Like an individual rather than a collective? Good clarifying question. Both. Okay, so I think what makes a world-class agency is, I think, the quality of its culture. And I don't mean that to be a woolly answer, Phil. It's basically, what are their values? Are their values shown by their, their team members? You know, what sort of approach do they have to clients, all this sort of stuff. So all the pieces matter from a cultural point of view. And obviously, delivering on what they say they're going to do. So some of it is just, you know, you've heard that phrase, world-class basics. Yep. I think it's a lot to do with that, getting the basics right. Because we can all, I know you must see it as well. You see all these fancy prop tech suppliers that have got the, the, the silver bullets, where really a lot of estate agency or business is just doing the basics right. And a world-class agent, that's really interesting because I've never thought of it as an individual. You know what I think? You know Matt Steinway, the Australian fella? It's worth checking out if you haven't or you're listening. I don't know him, now. Oh, honestly, Phil, he's really, really worth checking out. He's got a podcast called 31 Minutes. He's an agent. He's an estate agent in Australia. I think he's the number one in the McGrath network, right, okay. which is a big network in yeah. Australia. So when I think of world-class agent, I think of stuff like he does which is prospecting daily, and he does it religiously. Again, his team seems to have a really clear culture about what they want to achieve, look after the customers, work hard, sim- simple stuff. But also, I think with when I think of somebody who's doing stuff world-class, I think they look after themselves health-wise, and he's big on health. So I can't see how you can be a world-class anything if your health is substandard. We are singing off the same hymn sheet there, definitely. I want to come back to the culture, because... For people listening, I want them to really take something away from this that, that they can then go implement. So if they, I'm sure listening, they understand they need a good culture and they may, like everyone, think they have a good culture. Everyone thinks, you know, they're a good agent, don't they? How do they test that? It's interesting because I was speaking with someone last week about an issue they had in, in their agency. And I asked them the question, do you think people would want to come and work with you? Because the problem was getting good staff. And I said, do you think people would want to come and work for you? And he sort of thought, I thought, it's obviously not a clear yes. And he, he was very honest. He went, I'm not sure. I said, what's your office like, your office environment? We said, no, it's not very good. I said, you know, like culturally, you've got to send out a message. Your office, everything sends out a message about what you believe in culturally and values-wise as an agency from 
the way your office looks, to the way your marketing materials looks, to how seriously you take training. And I think like from the first point, when I think of really, really good agencies, yeah, I always think of location, location in London. Yeah. And and you're smiling, so you probably think the same. And you and you'll know you and Sam will know loads of elite agencies as well. But I always think of them. Yeah. And I think I I know a bit about, about their culture. And it's not just words on a sheet. They don't do holiday, but you know, like set holidays. So they can just go, yeah, take your holidays that you feel you need, boom, boom, boom. But we ain't gonna attract them. But they attract the best people. Their office, and this was the point I was making about when I was thinking about the what you said, world classes, their office is amazing. You know, it looks good. It looks like you you would think I'd like to work there. That looks cool. I mean, all the tech companies have all have done that, you know, with their offices being cool places to work. And I think a lot of good estate agents realize that, you know, the working environment for your team is very important, but also things like values and training and stuff like that. So do you think, I'm thinking out loud here, that because I'd say the majority of estate agents maybe come from a sales background, they're money driven, they're often male, ego probably leads a lot, that they think their team are similar and therefore they're money-driven and the rest of the maybe fluffy stuff of where they work, how they work, hours they work, etc. they don't believe it's as important as maybe their, their team or, or potential team would. Mm. I think it's changing that. I do agree with you about the sort of um, predominantly the male ego about, oh, we want lots of offices and it's all about commission and all this sort of stuff where I think things are changing. Obviously people will earn a few quid, but I think people also want to feel like they look, they're looked after and valued because let's face it, there's a shortage in the estate agency world. If you listen to any of the recruitment guys, they can't get enough good candidates, which means for the agency, you've got to raise your game to say, we want people to come and work for us and with us. How are we going to do that? If it's not, we can say, we'll give you the best commission. If that was the case, Certain agencies would have people queuing outside their doors and they don't. But if it's a mixture of we'll look after you and reward you financially well, we'll provide you with, I think training and development is a big one. You know, keep people constantly learning. We'll have a fun atmosphere. I think purpose-driven estate agencies, there's not, there's purpose-driven businesses. There's, but I, I can't really think off the top of my head of purpose-driven agencies. I know a lot of agencies that do a lot for their community but there's none that I'm aware of. You might know different. You know, like, I don't know, an agency that gave 15% of its profits back to the local community as standard or had a purpose, maybe like recruiting younger people to get them in the door, mm. this sort of thing, and, and sort of focus that way. I think because of how we're viewed as an industry, to have a clear purpose like that that doesn't seem like it's a selling point is difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I think it's an interesting thing to explore because I do know lots of agency owners that are really socially minded. So, you know, like maybe there's, you know, there's these guys just move in. They do the sort of utility when you move, they're a supplier, but they're very purpose driven brands. And I think from our backgrounds in marketing, like with you guys, and if you look at some of these purpose driven brands, you know, like the ones that are really ethical, like Abel and Cole, Mindful Chef. Mm -hmm. We've just got a new dog food supplier. They market so well, it's unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? From the printed products that they send with the boxes, every everything they do has an element of really smart marketing that drives the purpose. It's aligned, isn't it? You can feel it. Yeah, yeah. But I think that, and it's it's definitely that sense of what you said there, like you can feel it. 
You know, like you don't look and think, oh, I know what they're trying to do there. It's, you can feel that whoever is creating this stuff actually cares about the purpose. So imagine if you could incorporate that into an estate agency where you had people working, or any company really, people that were working for you and with you, but really cared about what it was you were trying to achieve beyond your P&Ls. Mm-hmm. I, I think that would, like you said there, that word, I think you'd feel it. And I think you get there with location, location. You feel something different. Whenever I've spoken to different location, location people, I feel something different from a lot of agency people I speak to. How do you show your cultural purpose through content? First of all, you've got to be really clear about what your cultural purpose is. If you're really big on supporting the community, a percentage of your content, because obviously you have to still talk about the things like how to sell stuff, how to rent stuff and advice type pieces. But if it was culturally aligned to your community stuff, 30% of your content would be community-based, perhaps even more, Hmm. I would say. And how you would do that is if you were community-focused, you know, like the Chris Watkins method, you know, like go out, interview people, digital mayor type stuff. I highlight the good things that are going on in the community because, listen, this I've been avoiding the news recently. I can't at the moment because obviously we're recording this on the day after the Queen died, but... For the past two weeks, I've avoided the news. Bear in mind, I'm a journalist by trade, yeah? So avoiding the news was a bit weird. But the reason why I did that, because it was all negative. So imagine if an estate agency goes, right, you know what? We're going to promote some good stuff. We're going to find, if we have to look, we're going to find the good stuff that's happening in the Lake District or East London or Yorkshire or wherever. We're going to find that stuff and promote that and sort of base that as a, a one of our content anchors, as it were. Yeah, I just think what, What's so powerful about that is, let's say you've got an audience on your Facebook of a thousand people. How many of those 1,000 are looking to buy or sell right now? Yeah, 100%. And how many aren't? So if all you're talking about is buying and selling houses, and I know that there'll be an extra percentage that actually like to hear about styling or whatever it may be, but the majority of people don't care right now. They want to hear about what fates are coming or what community events are happening or what, you know... specific news that is relevant to them if you look at tesco they don't talk about the price of bread that day or the price of milk that day they talk about if it's school holidays what what kids can make and give you recipes and and all these sort of thing i think that's what the industry misses at the moment yeah yeah just position yourself as being helpful and interesting to your audience i mean we're all in nowadays whatever your business is you're in the attention business because people's attention is so scarce. Mm. If you, however, an agency can bring that attention and that spotlight to their business, whether it's through a staging post or how to market to, you know, like exceptional properties like you guys, who had to market those sort of properties, or you know, like you said there, like one of our most popular pieces is a perennial winner for us. Yeah, is how to keep your pets calm during firework season. We look at the numbers. And it always gets the most shares. It gets the most engagement. Nothing to do with property, everything to do with attention and everything to do with showing your community that you care, you care about the big picture. Yeah. And the the good thing about posts like that is the people that comment and share don't care who's posted it. So so the the brand gets spread in a non-salesy manner by people that don't actually understand what they're doing. They're just sharing information because it's relevant to them and important to them. Yeah, 100%. I've got this phrase I say to the girls that help us with the writing side of things. I said, if someone cares, they'll share. If they don't care, they won't share. They just won't, it's, just, it's just more noise and they'll just swipe to the next thing. But if they care enough, they'll share enough. So, yeah. 
So content marketing, the, the, the phrase content marketing has been thrown around now for, what, 10, 15 years, very much made popular by Gary Vaynerchuk. And there are still people that hear this phrase all the time, content marketing, thrown around by people like us and, and Chris Watkin, et cetera. What does it actually mean? See, my definition of it is, it's not that book. What's the, I never remember this guy's name. They asked, Marcus Sheridan, you know, the They Ask You Answer. Yes. I think he's one of the best books about content marketing. And his definition is basically content marketing is marketing you, you put out there that is solving a problem for your audience. So it's not marketing that's saying, we've got a, I don't know, a 1% offer on at the moment on or any of our fees or anything mad like that. It's just content that helps people solve a problem. It helps people. And that problem could be just entertainment. It's just keeping them from boredom, you know? So my, yeah, I suppose my definition of content marketing would be in line with his is, if you can answer problems and questions that your audience may have. How do you know what those problems they may have are? From an estate agency, we always say to people, you sit down and you with your team and you ask them, what, what are we getting asked for at the moment? And it could be, I don't know, the carbon monoxide thing, you know, for mm-hmm. less, yeah, a lot of landlords worried about that. People worried about the gazundering, gazumping, depending on where the market is, it's tending to go away from gazumping now, I think. But just any problems the team are getting asked about and questions they're getting asked about, that's the, and they'll come up with 20 questions. They'll say, oh yeah, yeah, is it? we know this. And it's, it's, it's the people with their boots on the floor. So that's where actual agency staff and team are so good to just, but what are you being asked? Okay, they're asking you that, we're gonna answer that. The answer is content marketing. Do you know what I mean? So whatever your answer is, you can write a blog about it, or you can do a video post about it, or you can do a little listicle or a snackable bit of content mm-hmm. about it. So yeah, that would be my definition. I mean, you'll get some Americans mainly that will go into big, long spiels. And it's like, I don't know, I have no idea what this geezer's talking about. But yeah. I think it's content marketing is helping, content that helps your audience. I agree. And just a little tip on i think it's a great idea to ask your team what questions are being asked if you also type those questions then into google google will give you another 20 questions that from an seo point of view are actually that are being asked and you should be able to create a list of five six hundred questions at any one time to to answer so you mentioned that you can answer it via blog via video via various other platforms and methods how often should this be happening I think you should put a piece of content out there on your agency page at least every day. By that, I don't mean a blog, but I mean, you know, something like a coming soon, a review, a bit of local news and a blog and a vlog. But this is weekly content. So you can pretty much go, right, on Monday we'll do this, on Tuesday we'll do that, on Wednesday we'll do this, Thursday we'll list properties. Remember, somebody said to me the other day, should I be listing properties on my Facebook page that we've taken on and sold? It's like, of course you should, because <laughs> you're proving that you can do what you say you're going to do. Obviously, it doesn't want to be a long list, and all you do is post, we've sold this, we've sold this, we've sold people, like, oh, my God, it's boring. But, yeah, we've sold this, and this is how we've done it. Mm, story. That, that's a key. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you made a good point. Story. Telling a story of how you did it is, is yeah, what sells. So, stories are just, they, they're just so, so powerful. Mm. You know, like, and, and success stories of, 
Agents have got great stories, didn't they? You know, like... It's Julie from the Coastal House Estate Agency in Dartmouth. Oh gosh, there's lots of favourite parts. I would think it's actually the masterminds. Bouncing back the ideas off a number of different agents who are all then competing, so it's really helpful. There's lots of results, all positive. Competing against the top brands like Mike Frank and Savills. Definitely dealing with much better properties and much higher values. What would you say to anyone who is considering joining Firewave? Oh, do it. <laughs> definitely do it. Um, and don't delay, don't put it off success stories of agents have got great stories didn't they you know like they move people it's not like we're walking into a car showroom and buying a car yeah you get that little buzz and if you're into cars that's great you drive it around yeah no one's really interested in that car buying story too much unless you're banging to cars yeah but when people move home you've got a reason why somebody wanted to relocate to a certain area and you must get out of your way like people moving from I don't know, central London to escape the noise and pollution and all this. And they get to this wonderful part of the world. And as an estate agent, your core, you're at the front and center of helping them tell that story. And of course, by telling their story, you're sharing your story. You're sharing what makes you stand out as an estate agency, you know? So I think agencies are wonderful. That's why I think I've always hopped from industry to industry, really, in my career. I think that's the one thing that's kept me sort of stuck with not stuck stuck's the wrong word <laughs> <laughs> sticking yeah sticking with, with estate agents because they've just got good stories to tell and and you know the same i would say most 90 percent of estate agents i meet are top top people yeah 10% yeah. but that's the law yeah. maybe 20 percent, but that's the law of averages that's the 80 20 rule yeah i agree i i also think by the same rule 80 20 80 are underpaid 80 percent of people are underpaid for what they do and, and for but I totally agree that our industry, in my opinion, is one of the most important industries out there. You know, yeah. if you don't like your house, your health goes, your money goes, yeah. your relationships goes, your happiness goes, everything goes under, doesn't it? And to have a good agent be able to move you with a with a, a good amount of money is, well, in my opinion, is worth thousands. Yeah. But instead, we, we get a bad rep. It's so true. And the difference between a good agent and a bad agent is often thousands. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I worked, at, this is year, going back years and wasn't a very good agent, but I, I, I spent some time one day in their office. And I was amazed that I heard on two occasions them accepting the first offer. And I thought that was odd. I'm not an estate agent, but I just thought that was odd. Because here on the phone, oh, you're right, okay, so you'll offer that. Okay, yeah, I'm sure. And then advising their client to take that offer. Yeah. Flip side, I've been in, like last year, was in one of our agent's offices and he said, oh, no, they're not going to take that. They won't. Okay. What can you come up? The guy offered ten thousand pound more based on the agent working on his client's behalf, saying they won't, they won't take that. There's no chance. He put the phone down, and I, he said to me, the, "That guy will go another ten thousand. He's made his client an extra twenty thousand pound there. Do you know what I mean? So that's it's so simple, isn't it? Yeah. It's just a little bit of training. We we tell our team, you never ever. Well, first of all, you never accept the first offer. Yeah. And first of all, what we do is when someone gives an offer on the phone to us, we say, even if it's a thousand pound less than asking price, we know that's too low. Would you like to change it before we go to them? And, and they always, it's pattern interrupt, isn't it? They always yeah. panic and, and they go, yeah. So, yeah. so people tend to make three offers. Their first offer is all of a sudden 5,000 pound more than, than what it was. Yeah. It's just training. Yeah. It's, it's training and it's the integrity of the agency, I think. Because I think some people in agency, may forget who they're working for. 
which is always the seller. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? And I've never been an agent. So, you know, people, oh, you've never been, but I've been in enough agency offices to realize what the good ones do. Like you said there, never take the first offer. That was what this guy said back to me. He said, we never take the first offer. He said, unless it's the asking price and we know a bit about the property and the owner and they want to move quickly. Yeah, and interest is low. And of course, there's always yeah. rare. Is, but yeah. 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 Um, so you wake up tomorrow morning, you have this crazy idea of opening Jerry Lyons Estate Agents. Yeah. What are the first three things you'd do? Oh, that's a good question, man. And it's office-based, yeah, like high street office. Totally up to you. It's your estate agency. I would try to get a big office. I would have an area in the office that I would hand over to the community. Where would your office be? I'd try and get it in the, like where I live. Obviously, this wouldn't work in central London because you'd be paying ridiculous money. But where I live, I'd want it in the heart of the shopping bit. I'd want it like smack bam. We have a bit of footfall. So that's that's one. I'd get a office, deck it out really well. So people actually went, and, and I wouldn't do, I wouldn't use these office fit-out companies. And I said, why? I think I'd use an interior designer. I said, come up with something that's different. Come up with something that's really different. Not this old one, you know, you know what I mean. You yeah. know, those nice-looking estate agency office, but they're a bit of an identikit. I'd say, get a local designer, make this office feel like our local area. So we're, like, I'm speaking to you, and you've got this, like, what's this behind you, this lovely backdrop? This is the Langdales. That looks beautiful, see? If I was in the Langdales, I'd have a big, massive F-off picture like that of the Langdales, and I'd show people that the office was, you know, they walk in and feel, this feels like, now town is called Seaford. This feels like Seaford. Mm. I'd have a big picture of, we've got the Seven Sisters Cliffs. I'd have a big picture of that. I'd have a community wall. That's something I, I, I think as well, is, you know, you get estate agencies that have thank you cards on their wall. Which I like, right? Don't get me wrong. I do actually like, like that yeah. nonsense. But one of our clients has got photos of different people he's helped move. It's so much more interesting than yeah. looking at, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because he can go, he's there sitting in, he's a very good agent. He'll be opposite someone and go, they'll be asking about his services. And, oh, we've got a bungalow to sell that we've just inherited from our auntie. He looks up at his board. He goes, actually, that's the same scenario that Sue and Bob had. Yeah. And this is, do you know what I mean? It's... And I'd do lots of that. I'd have a really cool office. I'd probably be bankrupt because I'd spend all my budget on an office. And I'd have stand-up desks as well for everyone because I think everyone's more productive that way. What's the other things I'd do? I'd have, and this is just me, so oh, I'm always drawn to this sort of thing. I'd probably have some sort of thing where 20% of our sales or there'd be an element of the turnover would be donated back to the community. And that would just be that. So it might not work commercially, but you said like in a sort of dream list. Yeah. What would the third thing be? So by back to community, what do you mean? Where would it go? I don't know. I think I'd probably try and draw up in like a local community and get them involved and almost get them to form a advisory board and come back to them and say, well, this month we've got £2,000 worth of money we can donate towards the community. Where should we be putting it? So it's not like the estate agent going, I'm going to give this to them and this to them. You have more of a collaborative approach to the community giving. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it might work, might not. So the third thing, what would I do? What, it's one of the things where you think, what annoys me the most about estate agents? Oh, you know what I would do? Like you said there, I, I'd spend a lot of money on training the staff in the way that we wanted them to do things. And because I don't know enough about running a day-to-day -day agency, I know about running a business, 
I would sort of consult people that knew how to do estate agency really well and were actually doing it. A bit like yourselves. That's the powerful thing about you guys is you've got a marketing company, but an estate agency as well. So you're not just talking about marketing. You can say, well, we actually have a successful agency. So it's very powerful. I never take advice from people that are not doing stuff that they say they're going to do. So I wanted to grow my content business. One of my mentors was a guy who'd grown a content business. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, my third thing would be I, I train people up really, really well. And I'd almost want to look for an element, a percentage of staff that weren't estate agents that came from, were a clean canvas, as it were, to paint a wonderful customer service. (laughs) We've got 100% a clean canvas of previous experience. That's always been our hiring strategy. Who would be your ideal client? Who would be your audience? Ideal client from... Your agency? From... um, I'd never, ever deal with the bottom end of the market. Even when I had a remove company years and years ago, it was the one thing we'd look at certain things. And if people were saying on the phone call, oh, I could get you cheaper. Okay, that, that's that's fine. Good luck. Hmm. Not, not in that sort of way. That yeah, no, I understand. But you know what I mean? We wouldn't, and like certain estate agents, if they come in, if their first question is how much does it cost, I'm always concerned because they should be asking, what am I getting for my money? Hmm. That's what I think anyway. So in terms of, I'd want, me personally, I'd go for sort of strong mid-market, not upper end, definitely not upper end, especially not elite, because that is just not where we're at as people sort of thing. Yeah, mid-market, probably family homes. You know, there's an, there's an estate agency on the coast about two hours from here, and all they sell is bungalows. Yeah, One each, you know? Yeah, and I think they're called just bungalows as well. They, they're all bungalows only, something mm-hmm. like that. But I remember seeing the signs everywhere, by the way, on yeah. this one bit. They must be big market share where they are in this little town. Great but concept. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. And I would try and dominate that little market, whether it was family homes between two to three beds. I'd try and really dominate that. And what would be your fee? I'd go 1.5%. I don't know whether that's realistic. But I think if you show the value with the fee, then the fee is sort of a question that people don't. If I trust somebody enough, right, the money is almost secondary. I don't even know. We had building work done here and I didn't even read the quote because I trusted the guy enough. I knew he wasn't going to stitch me up and I knew every bit of product he'd use would be good. So I honestly didn't look at the quote, paid the bill, done a brilliant job. Yeah, no like and trust trumps fee. I think so, yeah, yeah. And I think, again, like you, to touch on the content marketing, that's the way of getting known. How you write the content marketing, how you sound, that's the way of getting liked. I think the trust element comes from people seeing you often and also what you're like in person. You know, people buy people, that is undoubted. I mean, I had a chat with somebody yesterday and we were looking to get them to do a bit of work for us and you just wouldn't employ them in a million years. You know, like the energy was, oh, yeah, when this might be, oh, that could be a problem. This could be, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, mate. You know, it was depressing enough without having to spend half hour speaking with this geezer. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I'd go for 1.5. I just don't understand. Like, we've got an agency that did offer, we'll sell your home for 500 quid. That's right. How can, you would have to sell so many homes to make that a viable It's business. not viable. No, it's not, is it? No, I've never seen a company work charging anywhere near that without having massive upsells off the back end. Yeah. 
yeah. I, I don't see how it's viable. We had a call from a lady once who said, right, I want to be the cheapest agent in the country, £99. And wow. the first comment was, well, you're not the cheapest because strike's free. But yeah. you, don't, you, have, you really need to price this up and, and think it through because it really is not possible. Yeah. And, and, and you know what as well, Phil, right? You, you know yourself, dealing with the bottom of the end of the market, they take up so much time. You know, like when we started off and I would sort of like, oh, yeah, we'll do a bit of work for this agent. And then you think they're only paying X, but they want Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, F, G of my time. Where the top agents, right, you do this and we're going to carry on doing that. And as long as you keep doing that for us, there's no problem. But the bottom end of the market, it's, it's just, and it's the same with the state agency. I hear it all the time. You know, people say, oh, I took this client on, I dropped my fee, and now it's just, I can't get out of it until the 12 weeks or whatever the period is. Do you know what I mean? Don't deal with the arse end of the market. <laughs> Our best clients, without a doubt, are the, the clients that at the moment we've got three and a half million, 3.25 million. You never hear from them. They just they understand that it's a consultancy. It, it's a relationship. It's not a we're not working for them. Yeah, it's so much easier, and the, it's a fifty thousand pound fee as opposed to a ninety nine pound fee. I want to finish with two questions. What one book or film or program would you recommend the people listening to to watch or read right now? One book program. Why? I'm trying to think what I might have read recently. So I'm just looking at my ah, Daily Stoic for me. It's uh, 366. I've normally got it on my desk. It must have been moved. Oh, yeah, I have. I've got it here. The Daily Stoic, and it's just... Yeah, I was, I was going to say Ryan Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan Holiday, Daily Stoic. Brilliant, Ryan Holiday, by the way. Do you read anything else by him? Yeah, he's very, very good. And you know what? It's timeless wisdom. He's sharing stuff that was spoke about 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years. So we can talk about technology. We can talk about this, but human beings essentially are the same. Mm. You know, the, we're essentially the same, the, the way we think and feel and all this sort of stuff. So, yeah, 100% the Daily Stoic, purely because I've got the attention span of a, a flea. I can't read proper books. I can only read Jack Reacher books in full. What will they get out of reading Daily Stoic? What would they, they'll get a, a tip like, right, so what they read today for the podcast, what would the tent? So it's nothing to fear but fear itself is September the 9th. And then he goes into reasons why you shouldn't create misery in your head in advance. So that's basically anxiety. We're worrying about stuff that may not happen, probably never will. But it's full of tips like that. And it's so easy to digest. It's a page a day. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I, for now, it's the Daily Stoic. You ask me that question in six months' time, it could be something different, totally. Yeah, but I think that is a very good recommendation, Daily Stoic. And last question for you, what's the best piece of advice you've ever had? Probably from my dad. And he just said, always behave in a way that will allow you to go back. So by that, just be respectful. Just, you know, like if you left the job, you know, like I've left jobs in the past and I'd like to think most of them would have had me back. They said, yeah, he was a good guy. He was good in the team. He worked hard. Just simple stuff like that. Or if you leave a sport inside, you know, like these certain footballers, can go back to the clubs for what they left because they left on a good, good terms. Yeah. Always behave in a way that, that will bring, allow you to go back. It's like from an estate agency point of view, if you lose the instruction, maybe send them a thank you card. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. That's opening the door. Mm. You know, like when the instruction, when they, they realize, oh, that agent we're using shit. But remember the guy that gave us a thank you card? He was nice. 
you left on good terms. So yeah, always behave in a way that means you can return. Very good piece of advice, a very timely piece of advice with how everything is at the moment as well. And I would say, from what I know of, of you, you certainly go around the industry living that as well. I feel like that you do. So Jerry, thank you very much. If you are feeling frustrated with the lack of growth in your agency and you're impatient to reach those ever-moving goalposts, then here's your invitation to find out more about if and how we can help you scale and build the agency of your dreams. All we want you to do is go to fire-wave.co.uk forward slash AJMM and that'll be in the show notes as well, where you'll find full information on all of our amazing mastermind programs.